Sometimes sorrow is the door to peace. Sometimes heartache is the gift I need. You're faithful, faithful in all things. Hi, everybody. How are you today? It is great to see you. Would you stand with us, please? As we worship the Lord in song this morning, come on, sing with us.
Let's thank God this morning. Amen. We are so thankful that you're here today. You may be seated, please. We just want to take a few moments and welcome everyone to our gathering this weekend. And uh, if, you're, if this is your first time here, I want to encourage you to stop by our Welcome Center. We have a gift just to say thank you for coming today. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful joy and a privilege to have you here today. So let's welcome all of our first-time guests today, folks. Let's thank God for our family here, all right? I am, uh, I'm always excited. I see every week God's bringing somebody new into the family here, and God is growing our family up here. So it's a wonder, wonderful family up here on the hill. Uh, just by way of announcements, I want to share with you just a few things that are happening. First of all, we have Trunk and Treat is coming up. That is this Wednesday. It's going to be out here on the parking lot um, or wherever they tell us out here. All right, so that's Wednesday here on uh, this, th- uh, this Wednesday from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. I want to encourage you to take the orange paper in your bulletin and invite somebody. Tell somebody, hey, we want you to come and be a part of this. Check out our church. We've got so much fun. There's more than 500 kids have already signed up for that. Let's thank God for that, folks. Huh? God is good. God is moving. So this will be uh, one of our one of our uh, great time that we reach out to our community, and uh, we're just sharing the love of God up here. We're sharing some candy. We're having some fun, and there's still time for you. If you say, "Hey, I'd like to serve at that. I'd like to I'd like to hand out candy at that." Please take the white paper in your bulletin. It says "Serve at Trunk and Treat." Fill that out and put it in the offering box on the wall, and somebody will get a hold of you tomorrow and tell you what, how that you can help, all right? Uh, make sure you get in there and hand out candy, or maybe you can help with parking. Maybe you can help with a number of things. I know they have a lot of, a lot of areas of need for help. So uh, we're pretty excited about all that's going to happen this week with all of our guests that will be coming. And then next Sunday, I want you to mark your calendar for next Saturday and Sunday, Eric McElvenny, one of our very own. As you know, Eric McElvenny was a Marine. He lost lost his leg in Afghanistan serving our country, and we thank God for our veterans, don't we? And uh, yeah, let's thank God for those veterans, man, all of our veterans. Um, so he will be speaking next weekend. You know, you say trick-or-treat on Halloween. Well, next week we got the treat here, okay? And uh, we are going to be having, it'll be a, a real treat. I want to encourage everyone, bring a friend. Let people know, hey, we've got this guy, he lost his leg, and, uh, and he went and competed in the Tokyo Paralympics just this, this summer. Uh, we were all rallying around him in August as he went out for that, and uh, he's going to share a little bit about that experience. He's going to share a little bit of his story, and mostly he's going to share about Jesus. So your friends will hear about Jesus on next Sunday as we share Jesus every Sunday, all right? But I want to encourage you, that's a great day. Bring out a friend. Let everyone know this is going to be a, a grand celebration here. That'll be next Saturday as well as Sunday morning here at all of our services. So we're thrilled about this opportunity. And then I, I want to encourage you, we have a number, of, uh, a number of things that are coming up here. We have our Thanksgiving Eve service. I want you to put that on your calendar as I can't believe we're at the end of October already. Can you believe that? Like, wow, where did this time go? And so uh, we are moving right into the thing, all things Thanksgiving and Christmas. So that's just a month away here, Thanksgiving Eve worship and communion. That's on November the 24th, Wednesday night from 7 o'clock to about 8, 815. And uh, we, will, we will be here and worship our Lord together. I always tell people that's a great time to gather as the family of God, 
thank, this is our Thanksgiving with our family, our church family, and then the next day you have Thanksgiving with your family, and you eat all day long. So enjoy that time here. We won't have any food that night, all right? So come on up and enjoy the evening with us, all right? And then you'll also see in your bulletin, we've got a lot of things Christmas coming up, Operation Christmas Child. I want to encourage you, go out there and grab those boxes. Uh, you see this, the red shoe boxes in the foyer? Those are there. Take them and uh, insider directions on how to fill them. They t- uh, we bring them in, and then Operation Christmas Child, this, uh, uh, the Samaritan's Purse organization, we get them to them, and they ship them all around the world. And I have been with a number of missionaries that have told me that on the other end, what it's like to receive these boxes and give them. Daniel Gonzalez, who's been at this church. Fernando Bassler, who's been at this church. A number of the other missionaries tell us about what it's like whenever they receive these boxes. And then they go out and they give these boxes away. And it creates a, a, a crowd for them to give, give these things away. And then they are able to tell about Jesus. And many people come to know Christ because of it. So that's, uh, that's our, our, uh, one of our big things we have here at the church. You'll see Deb Metcalf has set a goal of, I think, 1,500 boxes out of our church this year. So we're thrilled about that opportunity. And I want to encourage you, go, go grab a few boxes and uh, begin to fill them up. Go empty out all the dollar stores around us, all right? And let's do this for the kingdom of God. Pray over it. As you get that, put that in your box. Make this with your kids. Like, get your kids together and, and put that box together and, and pray over it and say, hey, guys, let's ask God to use uh, the little bit that we put in this box for his honor and glory. And just, uh, I think you can even trace them where they're going. They have, you see all that information in there. So I want to encourage you to uh, to just pray and see what God will do there. And then you'll see that we have our, on December 2nd and 3rd, as we're preparing for Christmas, this year we're going to have uh, Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. They are going to be here. We're going to have a Christmas concert and dessert. Yeah, thank God for that, huh? Some of you are... Fans of Ernie Haas. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's, uh, he's of Gaither. He hangs out with the Gaithers, all right? He's, uh, he's a top name out there. So him and Signature Sound will be here, and uh, they are a Grammy-nominated and uh, Dove Award-winning group. We're thrilled to host them here at the church. We'll have two nights. It's a Thursday and a Friday, December 2nd and 3rd. And uh, if you go to the website, you can get your tickets there. Read the, read the bulletin. It has a code. You put in the code CRSMIN upon checkout, and your tickets will only be $10, all right? So uh, if you go and you, you look at where he's going, you look at his schedule, uh, that's the best deal around for this guy coming to town here. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to just use this. And again, why are we doing it? It's not just to have a Christmas concert. It's to bring people to a growing relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you. This will be just a good old-fashioned Christmas. It will be top quality. Who will you invite to come sit with you and enjoy the evening? Let them hear about Jesus and have an opportunity to, to respond. And then you'll see that uh, we're, we're also going to be talking more about this in the coming weeks is our birthday gift to Jesus. That's coming up right around the corner. The list will be published here for you next week. We're in the process of finalizing the list. There will be $100,000 worth of projects on that list. Can we thank God for that new goal this year? Amen? 100000 and so as that, as those uh, missionaries, are, we're, we're just double-checking everybody, making sure they're still on the field, checking up with everybody. That will all be out there, and we're going to, uh, we're going to, as a church, gather and, and, and send our love around the world. So I want to encourage you to begin to pray about your part 
And uh, let's, let's give more to Jesus than to anybody else on our Christmas list. And as we begin this journey, you're going to hear us. We're going to start highlighting a missionary a month, starting the first, uh, missionary week, starting the first week of November, and just give you a little bit more so you can see what God is doing around the globe. And uh, this is something unique to our church that God has allowed us to do, and we're so thankful that you've been a faithful part of that. So begin to pray about your part. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and just thank God for all that he's allowed us to to do here at the church and ask him to continue to bless us. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I just ask that you would put your hand upon us, Lord, uh, that you would continue to uh, do your work. You are, you are here with us. You said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. You said that you would always be with us, Lord. And I thank you. Your, your promise, Lord, when you said to go and make disciples, you didn't tell us to go do it in our own strength and our own power. You, you gave us the promise, and lo, I am with you always. And so, God, I pray now that as we look at this next, next chapter of the, of the church, Lord, and as we go out into this, uh, this next season, Lord, we're, we're thinking about the trunk and treat, Lord. I pray that, that somebody will come to know you because of the church family opening up of their heart, of their generosity, of their time, of their smile, and, and point somebody to you, Lord. I pray that that will be the beginning for some people. Lord, I pray for, the, uh, for the, all these events that will be happening, for the Ernie Haas and Signature Sound, uh, for, for Christmas Eve, for all the things that will be marching through as we go through a holiday season, Lord. Allow us to seize every opportunity that we may bring people to you. God, we thank you for the faithfulness and giving, Lord, as, as your family here, Lord, has been, uh, you've been faithful to us, Lord, and as you've been the provider of all of our needs. I just pray now, Lord, that you put your hand upon upon each one of us as we give to you, Lord, as we, we give through the offering boxes on the wall, through the mail, or through online, Lord. I, I just thank you for the faithfulness of your people. And as people respond to you, as they, as they trust you and, and give of their, uh, their tithe and offering to you, Lord, I pray you'll bless each gift and each giver, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful family, Lord. And that's what it is up here. It's a family on the hill. And it's an ever-growing family. You keep bringing more and more people that are that are, 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 are finding a, a home here and finding a, a place to grow in Christ. So, Lord, I pray you'll continue to do that as you only can do. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please?
God, thank you for allowing us to just lift our voices to you this morning. It is well with our soul, Lord, knowing what you have prepared for us in heaven, Lord. One day we are going to hear the trumpet sound, and we will hear our names called. And, Lord, it will be a glorious day because we will then be spending eternity with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am. Thank you, Lord, for our salvation and for giving so selflessly, Lord, at the cross. We love you, Father. We praise your name. Amen. You can be seated. As we continue in our series, remarkable, we've been looking at the remarkable claims of Jesus, who he said he is and who he revealed himself to us to be. And as we look at the claims today, we're coming to the end of chapter 10, and we are seeing that from chapter 11 through 16 is the final week of the life of Christ. And so you see 10 chapters that were devoted to three years of public ministry. And now we're going over here and we're going to go to the final week here of the life of Christ as you continue on and you continue to read in Mark chapter 11, 12 and following. But I want to today wrap up chapter 10. And as we do, I want to draw your attention to this pattern of, of blindness I was reading a story about uh, about a uh, uh, it was actually a news article that happened in China from 2011, October of 2011. A little girl named Yu Yu, she was actually hit and run. A van had ran her over in China, and a number of people stood by and did nothing. They kept going about their business. As a matter of fact, a second vehicle comes along and runs over little Yu Yu, and uh, and Yu Yu ends up dying. The, uh, the news reporters went over and they began to interview people. They interviewed, there were at least 18 bystanders who let this happen. And one lady said it like this, well, that's not my child. Like, could you imagine to, for somebody to even say that, well, that's not my child. And so you had a number of the people, and what happens is they were just, they were blind to the situation. They did not see the magnitude, the depth, the pain. They were only consumed with themselves. They had their own agenda. And as they went along their life, they were blind to the fact that this little girl was actually beaten and destroyed right there before their very eyes. Uh, the guy who hit him didn't stop. The second guy who hit, him, hit her didn't stop. And so as you look at this, you say, how could that blindness possibly be? Well, as we look in the, the passages that we've been looking at here, if you go back and you looked at Mark chapter 8, you would see that Jesus heals a blind man, and then he begins to show us the blindness of his disciples. The disciples were dealing with spiritual blindness because he comes along to them, he, he, he heals this man, uh, uh, this blind man, and then Peter comes along, he confesses, Jesus asks, who do men say that I am? And then he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And, uh, and as he responds to that, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection, what would happen. And Peter says, no, Lord, no, that's not what's going to happen. You surely will not die. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter has a spiritual blindness. He's looking for Christ to be 
what he wanted him to be. He was looking for the glory. He was not looking for the death. He was not looking for the suffering. If you go over and you look into Mark chapter 9, you would see that Jesus again comes along and he, he does more healings. And then he comes along and he foretells his death and resurrection. Uh, chapter 9, verse 31 Jesus says that the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And Mark tells us this, but they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask. They didn't understand. So this is the second time. They're along the journey. They see that, uh, they, they see that Jesus has told them something, but they are afraid to ask what's going on. They don't understand. And so you're dealing with a spiritual blindness here. And then they come up. We looked last week how Jesus come along and he said, I will be the ransom for many. I will go to Jerusalem. And he tells them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. This is where it's going to happen. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the scribes. They will condemn him to death. It would be a, 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 a matter of legal. He would die in a criminal system, right? They will condemn him to death. They will deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will spit on him. And they will flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And what does Peter and James and John, what does James and John do? James and John go, hey, uh, we've got a question for you. And, and I love that there. We looked at that last week. He came up to him and said, they said, teacher, we want you to do for us what we ask you to do. We want you to. So Jesus just lays on the heaviest of news. And he says, the, the, his disciples say, we want you to do for us what we want you to do. Hmm. And Jesus responds to him and says, what do you want me to do? And then today we come and we see another healing of another blind person. See, Jesus has drawn out for us. We've seen this physical blindness, and then we see the spiritual blindness. The disciples were struggling with spiritual blindness because they wanted Jesus to fulfill all those mountaintop experiences. They wanted all the highs. They didn't want the lows. They weren't expecting him to go through the valley. They weren't expecting the cross. That was totally caught them off guard. And as Jesus takes them along the journey, he says, look, you've got to understand that I am the son of David. I am the son of man. I am the son of God. You've got to trust me. And you've got to understand that my mission is that cross to be the ransom for your soul. And so after he, after he gets done with that, we see that section there. And then we pick up today Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. So, so they came to Jericho, and as they came to Jericho, I, I want to remind you that there's two Jerichos in the Bible. You'll see that there's the Jericho that you think of as the ancient city when they marched around the walls. There's another Jericho. It's about 15 miles from Jerusalem. So if you've, if you've been following along as we've been going week by week, you'll see this journey that Jesus was on. And he, he just told them, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again there. Then they've changed the subject again as they're good at. And then Jesus comes along. He's coming out of Jericho. He's heading, comes to, Jer, uh, to Jericho, and he's heading on his final journey. The, the, next, the next news that we get is about Palm Sunday. He's going down. This is his final journey. And what's he do? We see this interaction with a blind person. And so here's Bartimaeus. He's a blind man. And notice he says, son of Timaeus. Remember, this was written to a non-believing group. It was written to the Greeks. So the Greeks didn't know, like, hey, this is how you would call Bartimaeus. It means son of Timaeus. That's why they put those little things in there. 
He was sitting by the roadside. And look what happens. Verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when you hear that word shout, I want you to catch it. It wasn't like, you think he might pay attention to me. He's shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's yelling at the top of his lungs. He's got to get the attention of Jesus. He's been sitting over on the roadside. It is pitch dark for him. He's blind. And he needs the Savior. So he hears about this Jesus, and he calls on him. And look what he does. He gives him a messianic title. He says, Son of David. He had heard about this Jesus. He had heard about who he was. He had heard about the prophecies in the Old Testament that said that he would be of the, the, the king of kings, that when Jesus, the Messiah, would come, he would be of the lineage of David. So what's he do? He comes and says, hey, um, he's shouting to him, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And look what the crowd does. The crowd rebukes him. They yell at him, and they tell him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. And and think about this with me. I'm going to give you the Pittsburgh translation. He told him to shut up. That's what the crowd did. The crowd just told him to shut up. They said, you're foolish. What would he want with you? We, don't you understand? And listen, the crowd was thronging for him. They wanted their healings all the time. They, they, they were fascinated by the ministry of Jesus. And so as the crowd is, and remember, it's Passover time now. So all these people are starting to converge upon Jerusalem. So as he's getting closer and closer, all the cities closer to Jerusalem are starting to fill up as people are making their pilgrimage back. And so there's just people everywhere. And this crowd rebukes him. They yell at him, tell him to shut up. He shouted all the more. He, he said, I'm not going to let this crowd stop me. I'm not going to let the ground clutter. And so he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy upon me. And look how Jesus responds to him. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man and told him, cheer up. Get on your feet. He's calling you. And, and, and check this out, folks. When we come to the Lord like the blind beggar did, like Bartimaeus, all of heaven stops. I, I, there, you know, in the Old Testament, we read about a prophet who got the sun to stop for a day. Here, we read about a blind man who got the Son of God to stop. And so this blind man comes out, and the Son of God, look, it says that he stopped, and he said, bring him, call him over to me. So they called him, the blind man, and they said, get up. He's calling you, and look how he responds. Verse 50, he continues on, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. So, man, off with the old, on with the new. He's like, man, I'm ready. This is the moment I've been waiting for. So he takes his coat off, and he comes running after Jesus. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Didn't we hear that statement last week? When Jesus said to his disciples, what do you want me to do for you? I, 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 wanna, I, wanna, I just wonder, like when Jesus did this, his disciples were standing with him. Do you think Jesus pulled his disciples and said this? You know, watch this, boys. What do you want me to do for you? You see, because the disciples said, we want you to do whatever we want you to do. And he says, what do you want me to do? And they're like, make us great. Make us be number one and two. This guy, he didn't come with any of that. 
He cries out, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? And look how he responds. The blind man said, Rabbi, Rabboni, I want to see. I, I want to see. He had never seen. His eyes had been darkened. He couldn't see. Physically, it was, he was blind all of his life. And also, this passage gives us an inclination that he wants to see spiritually. Because this is, he calls out and he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't come out as a victim. He didn't come out and say, listen, I, oh, woe is me. I'm so bad because my mother, because this, because that. No, no. He said, woe is me. Son of David, have mercy upon me. Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 52. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Immediately he received his sight. God opens his eyes physically and he opens his eyes spiritually because here it says immediately he followed him. He had taken off his coat and he left the old. Do you know what most beggars were doing? They were begging for alms for the poor. This was the crowd of crowds. They could have made more money that day than any other day. This man doesn't ask of money of Jesus. He asks for his soul. He asks for his sight. He realizes that this is the only one that can help me. And Jesus says, go in faith. You see what he did? He came in humility. He's on the side of the road. He said, not my will, but what you want. God, this isn't my agenda. I, I'm not coming for money. I'm coming for my eyes to be open. I believe that you are the son of David. I believe that's who you are. Listen, the disciples didn't even truly understand this. The disciples, yeah, Peter said you are the Christ, but he kind of kept going back and forth. They didn't truly, their eyes weren't truly opened yet because they wanted the Christ to be who they wanted the Christ to be. They didn't want to go through the suffering. They thought everything would be the mountaintop, everything would be the high, everything would be the joy and the way that I want it to be. Well, that's not how Jesus had planned it. It's not, not, the, not the will of the Father. He had to go to the cross. So Jesus here heals this man, and he says that your faith has made you whole. You have been healed today, and immediately he receives a sight, and he follows along the road. You know what road he was following along? It was the road to Jerusalem. It was the road of suffering. It was the road that would lead to the death of Jesus on the cross. And this man, he now picks it up, and he didn't just take his sight and run. We've seen that from many of the people that he's healed. They got their sight. They got, their, they got what they needed. They got their healing, and they ran. And isn't that so true what happens in many of our lives today? We come to God, and we say, Oh, God, if you'll do this, I promise I'll go to church. And we make these deals with God. And then what really ends up happening is we do, God does this, and we taper off, and we forget those moments, and we try to make God fit into our box. This man here left everything, and he followed God. You know, I want you to think this morning about spiritual blindness, because as we think about blindness, I mean, you know what blindness is. You can't see. Um, you're stumbling around in the dark. I think many people in our world today are dealing with spiritual blindness, and, and maybe you have a touch of spiritual blindness. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've been going to church all of your life and you still have spiritual blindness. Uh, many people have it and, and uh, they're stumbling around in the dark. 
Maybe they're just waiting until they can truly understand. They've heard the story of Jesus, but they haven't placed their faith in him yet. And so spiritual blindness, I think sometimes even as a believer, you can have a, a, a case of spiritual blindness where you're not seeing things as God sees them. Spiritual blindness. Let me give you a couple reasons for spiritual blindness here. Right? A couple causes of spiritual blindness today is, number one, could it be that you're not a follower of Jesus? Maybe you're just a fan. Many of the people that, uh, that walked the journey would come to Jesus, and they were fans. They were fans of his miracles. They were fans of his teaching. I mean, he had the greatest teaching. Uh, everything he said was opposite of what they had been taught. It was so revolutionary. They were blown away by his teaching. They loved to, uh, to come. They loved to see the healing. They loved, you know, hey, if you follow him, you're going to get free lunch today. There's going to be loaves and fishes divided up. You know, I mean, the word was out. They knew how to follow for the fun. And so many people are fans. They're there when it's good. Let me give you a little fan test here. Anybody been following the Steelers? Oh, the fan base is a little weak, isn't it? But when we're... You know, when we're 8 and 0, the fans are all talking trash on everybody else, you know. But whenever, oh, man, we had a couple of rough losses, and last week was an embarrassment, but a win's a win's a win. Oh, man, the fans kind of run a little bit. You see, that's what happens spiritually. The, the fans, we're there when it's good. We're there as long as it's fun. But the moment that pain and suffering enter the picture, we take off. And so spiritual blindness could be, man, maybe we're not truly a follower of Christ. Maybe there's something inside of us that God has got to continue to work on. Look here, the message of the cross, 1 Corinthians says this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, the suffering the pain that he went through, and for it to be that simple for you just to trust Christ. I've had many people tell me, well, it's just too easy. Well, thank God it is. Because God said, I gave you the Ten Commandments to show you that you couldn't do it on your own. He says, all you have to do is believe in the cross, that I died on the cross, and I, I am the Messiah, and that I paid for your sin, and that I rose again the third day. That's it. It's that simple, childlike faith. And so the message of the cross that message is foolishness to those that are perishing. And so if you're just a fan and you hear anything about suffering, well, that's a little bit, of, that's a little bit off my journey. I don't think I want to go there. Um, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And so maybe you're not a follower. Maybe you're just a fan. Maybe if you're a follower of Christ and you're dealing with some spiritual blindness, you're not quite seeing things God's way. Let me give it to you this. Maybe you're preoccupied with the things of this world. There are many things in this world that preoccupy us. We can become preoccupied with, um, with, with the wealth of this world. We can become preoccupied with the, the entertainment of this world, with the comfort of this world. And so you can just keep going on and on and on about the things of this world that can distract us from seeing things the way God sees them. And that's part of the spiritual blindness that we deal with. Another reason is that maybe you're not getting enough of God into your life, enough of the truth of God daily in your life. You know, the, the, God has given us this incredible opportunity to turn the lights on every day in your life. Um, it, it's so powerful. We, we have a tendency to go and become preoccupied with things of this world, 
And here's why we can't sometimes see what God is doing is because we're looking at the things of this world and trying to find meaning in this circumstance or meaning in this event. Folks, go and try and find meaning in what has happened in the last two years in our world, and you will not find the meaning in that circumstance. When we get to heaven, God will tell us what's going on. Amen? There's no other place that the answer will be found. Nobody has a clue. I know that this world is fallen, it's broken, it's evil. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to get my meaning by looking at the circumstance. You only get it by looking at God. If I'm looking at, did these things happen for me? Did this life go right for me? I'm never going to find it there. So not getting enough truth, of, of the truth of God into your life daily. We've got to get a daily dose. I want to encourage you, get a daily dose of the Word every day. Um, I want you to think about it like this. If, if this is the light and you walk out of the light and that's, you know, you're here on Sunday, you're getting, you're getting an hour shot in the arm, man. You're getting a full dose here, right? And then you come out here and you start walking in darkness. And this is what happens. We go out and it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, and uh, things get pretty dark out there, don't they? And then, oh, well, I, and, and then you miss another week because, well, just things are happening and, you know, I had to go to Grandma's birthday and we're out of town and this and that. And, and then pretty soon I'm hanging out out here. So I, what I want to encourage you to do is not make your only light on Sunday, to make your light every day, to, to walk in Him. Look at this verse here in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 says this, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Read it with me. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Listen, every day. That's the, here's the idea. He says to come along and to put on Jesus every day. It's like the idea of clothing. He says, come on and put Jesus on every day and make no provision for the flesh. So when you come to put on Jesus, here's what you're doing. You've got to come to the Word. And here's why. Look at what he says, Psalm 119, 105. Again, read it with me. Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God has given us His Word. If you want to see what's going on in the darkness, don't look to the darkness for the answers. Listen, if I'm looking to see, you know, every shortcoming I have, every failure, every pain, every heartache, why you didn't get the promotion, why somebody else did, why you lost your job, why, why you didn't, whatever, you can put all that. If you're going out there into the darkness, you're not going to find it. But when I have the light, it's a path. You know, you, you put that light on. It's like a flashlight. And, and it leads you. And, and God says, hey, listen, I'm going to light. I'm going to illuminate your path. And the idea is about 60 feet you get out of a flashlight, don't you? You know, and because you have the headlights on your car on the way home, because you can't see the final destination, doesn't mean that you shut your lights off. Doesn't mean that you stop driving. It means you keep going and God keeps revealing to you more and more. And that's what he does, the light unto your path. Um, can I give you uh, this morning a few symptoms of spiritual, spiritual blindness? Here's a few symptoms of spiritual blindness, okay? Number one. Believing lies and rejecting the truth. Uh, how did the disciples do this? The disciples said this. The disciples said, you don't have to die. Remember, Peter says, you don't have to die. Uh, he comes to, the, comes to them and says, can you drink the cup? Oh, yeah, we can drink the cup. You see, what happens is you want Jesus to be what you want him to be. They said, you don't have to die. He just told them, I'm going to die. 
And he says, no, 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 not so, Lord, not you. And he says, yes, it is so. You have to understand that I am God, you are not. How does it work for us today? What do we say? We say, well, you know what? If only I got this, then I would be happy. If only I got, you know, think about it. If I only I got a million dollars, I'd be happy. Did you ever say that? Am I the only one? You know? If I got a million dollars, I'd be happy, right? If I got that house with five acres of land, I'd be happy. You know what happens if you get that house with five acres of land? You'd be complaining because you got to get the grass all the time, right? That's what happens, all right? So listen, believe, we believe the lies and we reject the truth. The disciples really struggled with this. It was part of their spiritual blindness. Yeah, they're following Christ and they're not totally getting it just yet. He's going to go to the cross. They're going to get it very shortly. Seven days later, they're going to really catch this thing. Um, living for the here and now. Here's another symptom. We can live for the here and now. You know, you can absolutely be consumed with, your, uh, with, with how things are happening right now in this world. The, uh, the disciples said, would you make us great? Would you make us popular? We want to be number one and number two. Another time somebody else was healing and, uh, and, and, and they said, well, we told him to go away because he's not part of the 12. We don't want to have number 13 hanging around here. And so it's really driven by self, living for the here and now. And you know what? Maybe, maybe you said this. I'll follow Jesus later. I'll follow Jesus after I get married. I'll follow Jesus after I have kids. I'll follow Jesus after I retire. Let me tell you, all those afters, there's always something else when you get there, right? If you, if you say you're going to wait to follow Jesus after you get married, well, let me tell you, after you get married, you're just tired all the time. And then after you have kids, you don't sleep anymore. It's like everything changes, right? Like the whole world changes. And so we keep coming up with something that we say, hey, I will follow Christ when? And God says, no, I want you to follow me now. Uh, an inflated view of self. You can have an inflated view of yourself. You can like be, yourself can be in the center of everything. You can make all of your decisions based upon your comfort, upon your wisdom, upon you. And so God says, hey, listen, I want you to follow me regardless of how you're feeling today. Well, you know, what he say? He says, we want number one and want number two. We want to be number one and number two. Here's what we say. Lord, if only you give me this, then I will follow Lord, if you'll, if you'll provide over here, then I'll follow. I will never forget uh, many years ago, we, uh, we had a, a lady here. She was a, a missionary, and she gave her life as a missionary. And, and she was one of those people who said, I'll, I'll wait till later. And, and then she actually was able to do it and was able to follow Christ in her aging years. And, uh, and as she did it, it was wonderful for her. But one of the things that she always said was, I wish I would have done this earlier. I wish I would have surrendered earlier. And so today I want to encourage you, surrender to God earlier. Don't, don't be waiting. Don't be making it on, on you. Um, if God, if you only give me this, then I will follow. I, I think God wants me to be happy, many people will say. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, God's Word teaches I shouldn't do this, but you know, God really wants me to be happy. All right, where's that in the Bible? Like, God wants me to be happy. And so what we do is we say, I'm going to take all this about Jesus. I'll take the heaven part. I'll take all this. But over here I'm suffering, and he's told me to, to wait on his will. But now I've got to take this because this is what I want, and he would want me to be happy. You know, you can even make worship become about you. Have you ever noticed that? You can come into a worship service, and you say, I don't like the song. 
What you do is you make it about you, and you say, well, that song, it just didn't do anything for me. And my response is, good, it wasn't for you. It was for Jesus. And so when you come in, you know, we all have our style that we like. I have my style. But listen, that's not what it's about. And so if somebody's singing and they're glorifying God, we come in and we don't make it about us. And so that this, is, this is where God says, I want you to open your eyes. And he opens our eyes. He takes the blindness from us. Uh, many people will negotiate the role of Jesus. They look at their, at their life and they'll say, okay, you're God. I know the Bible says, but this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, um, in, in the Scriptures we see that, that uh, the disciples basically said, you're not the God who will die. You're the God who lives. You're the God that will overthrow Rome. And Jesus says, get behind me. Get behind me. That's not what I came to do. I came to pay the price for your sin. Uh, the next thing that we do when we're spiritually blind is we diminish uh, the danger of sin. Sin looks great for a season. The Scriptures talk about this, that how that sin is always good for a season. Uh, and you know what? The bait always looks great, doesn't it? The bait always looks great until you bite it. And so Satan is out there trying to devour us. And many believers today are saying, yes, I've trusted Christ, but I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to play around. I'm going to do what feels good. I'm going to do what's comfortable for me. Um, the disciples said, you don't have to die. Just be a good teacher. Today, many of us, we've, we've decided to, to let our guard down. And it's so easy to happen, isn't it? I've heard some people tell me that, uh, that they are happy to go to hell because their friends are going to go to hell. That's spiritual blindness, isn't it? Well, you know what? We party. We eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And this is where my friends are. This is where I'm accepted. This is where I'm approved. And people like me. So therefore, I am going to go that route. And what does the Scripture say? The Scripture says this. Don't be deceived. Read this with me here, all right? Read it aloud. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company. The, the people that you hang out with is so important. So God says, surround yourself with people that are seeking me, that are seeking the Lord, people that are, that, are, that are passionate. You know, it's amazing how we can become like those that we run with. We just kind of, lukewarm water becomes lukewarm. The, the hot turns into lukewarm. The cold turns into lukewarm. We're just all in this, this. God says, listen, I want you to be passionate about me and do not be deceived. The people that you hang around with, they will have an impact on your life. And so it's so easy for us to to diminish the danger of sin. We say, well, no one's perfect. We rationalize sin. Have you ever noticed that? We all do this. We rationalize, well, you know, (laughs) yeah, I shouldn't. Well, some people say you shouldn't. Now, listen, come to what God's Word says. And what God's Word tells us is that sin always destroys Sin always destroys. And that is the message that you've got to keep before you. But if you're spiritually blind, you're going to say, well, I just don't see these areas of my life because you don't see them. Because you're blind. And you need to turn to the Master. And you need to call on Him. What do you do if you're spiritually blind? Look here what the Scriptures tell us. Number one, what should I do if I'm spiritually blind? If you have a spiritual blindness in your life, listen... Sometimes you know it, you're spiritually blind. Sometimes somebody has to come alongside of you and help you see that you're spiritually blind. 
we, we, tend to, we tend to put all these things at bay and forget that Jesus is really wanting to be Lord. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He rose again. He said, whosoever will shall call on my name. That's you. If you are willing to trust him, man, you started the journey. But it doesn't end there. He wants, he wants all of you. He wants to take over your life because he knows what's best and what's right and what's best for you. And so what happens is we begin to make these deals in our life and we're spiritually blind and we rationalize that God's word somehow is not correct. And we begin to make these rationalizations. What should I do when I'm spiritually blind? Number one, confess it to God. Admit to God that you are blind. Come before him and tell him that you are blind. Listen, uh, blindness, as you know, somebody just stumbling around. But over in, uh, in John chapter 1, we see that Jesus came to be the light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And th- then he continues on, and he says that this Jesus who was coming, who was present at creation, was God in the flesh, came to be the light in the darkness, so that the darkness would be dispelled. And that's what God wants to do in your life. So the very first thing we do is just like like blind Bartimaeus did, you admit to God that you're blind. God, I need you. And the second thing that we do is we surrender to Jesus. Surrender is a scary word, isn't it? But it's a freeing word. When I come and I say no longer what I want, but what you want. And this is where many people will struggle their entire life as a believer. Who is going to be in control of their life? Who's going to be in control of their mouth, of their thoughts, of their actions? Who's in charge? And I'll tell you what, it's a struggle we'll have to the day that we die because we keep wanting to be on the throne, don't we? We keep wanting to take over. 2 Corinthians 4.6. Oh, I love this. 2 Corinthians 4.6. It was God who said, light shall shine out of the darkness. Remember in creation? He says light would come out of the darkness. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Like, like if you want the light, you know who turns the light on? It's God. God comes before you, and he's the one who illuminates your heart. So you come to him, first of all, and you admit to him that you're blind and that you have some areas of your life, even as a follower of Christ. You you come before him and say, God, I've been following you, but there's been areas that I haven't just seen in my life. And God, I need you. I need you to turn the light on, and I need your strength. I need your power. I, I need you to help me in these areas. Make provision for the Spirit of God. Make provision for Him to work in your life like the, the, uh, and not your flesh. You know, we, we are pretty good at setting up the flesh. We're pretty good at setting us up for our fleshly desires. And the Scripture here, I'm going to remind you of this verse again that we looked earlier from Romans, says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for for the evil things that could come into your life. Make no provision. Like lock it out and make provision for the things of God. This morning you've made provision. You're here. You're joining us online. You're stopping wherever you're at. You have made provision for the things of the Spirit of God. He says, do not make provision for the lust of the flesh. And so as we deal with our spiritual blindness... We have to come and we have to indulge in the things that will bring us closer to God. 
That's what it is. We, we come and say, man, I'm going to take this. There's, there are Bibles in the foyer. If you don't have a Bible, they're free. I want you to take one. Uh, take it and go home and read it. You know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've been talking about Mark for about 35 weeks right now, okay? So maybe you want to start reading in Matthew, Mark, or John, all right? But start there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and get the eyewitness of Jesus Christ's life. And if that's all that you read of the Bible, I'm pretty happy about that because you've got it. But I'll tell you what, there's, uh, there's 66 books in total, and every one of them has something powerful and something meaningful for your life. And as you go through and you read about the account of creation in Genesis, you read about the fall of man, you read about from that point on, from Genesis 3 to the rest of the entire book, is all about God's rescue plan. And then you come to the very end of the book, at the end of Revelation, and you read about the future, whenever we are going to be in heaven face-to-face with God, and the rescue will be completed and will be in His presence forever. No longer blind, no longer in, in, in bondage to sin. Over in Isaiah 42, verse 6, it tells us that the Messiah would be the one who would come to open the eyes of the blind, to, uh, to free the prisoner from the dungeon, to, pre- to free the prisoner from darkness. Um, look here, continuing on, be persistent. Be persistent. One of the things about this blind Bartimaeus was that he didn't let the noise stop him from getting to Jesus. Look here at the verse. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. He continues on. That made him shout all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He got over the noise. He kept going. There's a lot of noise in your life right now, folks. The world is noisy. And many times we just let that discourage us and stop. God says, listen, this man, he was persistent. He kept calling on me. And when he called on him, the next verse says that Jesus stopped. And that is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because Jesus turned and stopped and said, bring him unto me. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine that's why god says i want you to follow me because you're mine you're my child let him remove the blindness keep coming to him i've talked to many people throughout the years they say well you know what? i'm just not getting it yet i said come back next week come back next week come back next week and all of a sudden i see these people all around our church that are that are followers of christ because they kept coming and god opened their eyes and lastly i'd like to ask you this Are you concerned for the blind that are around you? There's a lot of blind beggars, spiritually blind beggars in your life. Are you concerned about them or are you just enjoying the light? You you see, that's what was happening. The crowd, they were having fun around Jesus. They were crowded around him and they couldn't wait for what they could get. They were coming. It's like us saying, man, I want another good sermon. I want another Bible study. I want to feel good in church. But there's some blind people out there, spiritually lost. And what happens is we get to hang in the light. And God says, listen, I want you to go over here. This guy's been yelling. He's been crying. He's blind Bartimaeus. He's been watching the crowd of people that have gathered around the light. But he's out in the darkness and he's crying out for help. And, and you can't even hear him because you're so interested in yourself. 
You're so interested about what you're getting. And God says, look, this person out here is need of me. He's spiritually blind. He's lost. He needs me. And so God has placed us on earth here to go out and take the blind Bartimaeus and say, come along, come along. Hey, that's the son of David over there. And at first they may reject you because they're blind and they don't see it. You know what you do? You come back again and say, hey, that's the son of David. That's the only hope for you. And you walk away and they reject you. But you know what? You don't reject them. You keep coming back to them. You keep loving them. And you keep bringing them back. Let me share with you like this. We have these events that we do in the church. And we encourage people to bring a friend so that we can bring them into the light. We're going to have this Wednesday, Trunk and Treat. Do you know that our trunk and treat is one of the largest trunk and treats in the area? Let's thank God for that, huh? That's awesome. Only God could do that. I I saw people posting about trunk and treats and community trunk and treats. This is one of the largest in the area. Do you know what it? Why it's the one of the largest? It's because we got that. It ain't about the candy. It's about the light. And so when they come up here, they see you smiling and you're handing out candy. You're handing out, somebody's going to hand out and tell them a little bit more about the church. Somebody's going to invite them back. And they say, wow, I can't believe it. Like, that was the best experience. And people tell me that all the time when they come up here. That was the best experience. Is it because we got better Kit Kats? Little side note there, spiritual. No. It's because we got the light. And all we're doing is turning the light on. And people are coming to the light. And so as we hand out this candy this week, as we go and we have, we have our uh, Ernie Haas and the, the signature sound, we have a Christmas concert and a dessert, is it because we got good music and good desserts? No. Ernie Haas is going to be fabulous. But that's not what we're bringing them to. We're bringing them to the light. We're going to have Christmas Eve. I'm going to live up here on Christmas Eve. I'll be here all day while you're eating seven fish after you've gone, Right? I'll be up here all day. Why? We're turning the light on. And here's what happens. You get to come along and each one reach one. If everybody in the church can do this, we come and we say, I've got a friend. I bet you've got ten friends out in the darkness. But we'll start with one or two. And I'm going to slowly bring them over here. And maybe you just start like this and you say, they're going to come here because that light is really bright over there. I'm just going to bring them here and let them see a little bit. And see a little bit. And as you keep getting them closer, you keep getting them closer. See, we, we don't stop out here. We don't say, hey, listen, it's dark and I want you to feel comfortable in the darkness. No, God isn't about you feeling comfortable. He's about you finding Him. And when you find Him, He changes all of that. So you come out here. Yes, we are friendly. We love you. We care for you. But we're passionate. And we keep bringing people to Christ. We keep dragging them along. Keep bringing them over and bringing them over. And pretty soon, oh, I think they're ready for the next step. Oh, I think they're ready. They might even be ready for a Wednesday night Bible study. Oh, that's a really spiritual right there, right? You keep bringing them closer and closer and closer. So they are walking in the light as he is in the light. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to trust him. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He rose again. He says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from the punishment of their sin. And whether you're joining us online or you're here in the building today, I want to invite you to to start that journey. Are you willing to admit to God today that you're spiritually blind? 
Are you willing to call him son of God, son of David, you are God? Are you willing to be humble in his presence? Have mercy on me. God's not looking for you to present any of your good works to him. He's asking you to surrender the white flag. He wants to be Lord of your life. Are you ready to let him? And if you are today, I want to invite you to just call on him and pray something like this. Pray very similar to blind Bartimaeus. Lord God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You are the Son of David. You are God. Thank you for dying on the cross, for paying for my sin and rising from the dead. I invite you into my life right now. Would you stand with us, please? Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight, the stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky.
its truth and power will always remain. But as my eyes close and mind awakes, no words come to fill the space. Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully 